3: It's time
0: to wake up with a nice cup of morning roast. Oh Featuring the real most finest, Monte Hill. The pride of the Excelsior, Joe Butcher Boy Shasky. You're listening to 95 the Gang, the morning roast. Oh! oh.
4: Title game on Sunday, fourth time in the last five years. The 49ers are in it, second time they've had it at Levi Stadium. They haven't lost a playoff game yet at Levi Stadium. You think they're gonna lose to the stinking Lions? Hell no. Good morning, everybody out there on YouTube and Twitch, powered by First NorCal Credit Union, The smart choice for low auto low rates and super simple online application process uh good morning to everybody out there getting off the graveyard shift if you're at work what is happening we'll get back to the calls in just a second shasky but let's bring in jamel hill staff writer for the atlantic um detroit native of course with with the michigan state we won't bring up what happened in college football this season we will not but i want to know why jamel became a niner fan growing up all the way in michigan jamel hill joins us on a boxer and and guest line jamel good morning thanks so much for spending some time with us
2: uh, good morning. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, you know, I, I know a lot of people are always very fascinated with the fact that I'm a lion or that I'm a, a Detroit native who wound up being a Forty Nine ers fan. But um, you know, people have to remember is like the Lions have not been good for a really long time. So right. when I was growing up and kind of coming into my sports fandom, uh, they were terrible. They were like paper bag on your head, terrible. <laughs> and, I was never, I saw how miserable Lions fans were. I wasn't attracted to that. And, um, you know, we're talking about like the early 80s. And obviously the team of that decade is probably the 49ers. And so uh, my mother, she had lived in the Bay Area for a while, and so she kind of rooted for him. And I started paying attention to him, and the rest, as they say, is
4: history. Well, we're glad to have you aboard, Jabel. We are glad to have you aboard. Go ahead, Shasky. Get it here.
5: Nice. Yeah, I, I love the Niners. Fans are all over the country, so I love it whenever we meet somebody and they have specific roots or a reason why they fell in love with this team. But break break down the psyche of uh, of the Detroit sports fan right now. Like B and I were talking about it, like. When they lost to the Seahawks, the Niners, that is, um, it was one of the greatest moments in Seattle sports history with the Richard Sherman play. How big is this weekend? I know they've won, Detroit Pristons have won championships, and I don't want to scoff at that. The Tigers have won a championship, uh, I believe, in 83. How big is this game for the Detroit sports fan?
2: Oh, it's, it's huge. I mean, if the Lions go to the Super Bowl, I think it's already the biggest uh, story in, in state history and sport and, you know, as it relates to sports. Um, wow. yeah, the Lions have been pretty much in, in up for like 50, 60 years. I mean, this was their first playoff victory in uh, you know, this season and, and what, 32 years, first time they won a division in 30 years. Um, so there were a lot of, uh, a lot of new terrain for uh, Lions fans, and so right now, uh, when you consider the fact that they went zero and sixteen, they were just three and thirteen three years ago. Right. So this is really an incredible moment for them, for the city. Um, you know, they've had to put up with a lot, so uh, this means everything. I mean, I think win or lose, I, I think they know. Uh, that this was a successful season. Of course, there would be disappointment if they lost, but I I think they really feel like they have a a future, and I think that is what is very different about this Lions team versus some other versions that we've seen that people thought
4: might be successful. Jamel here on the Boxer and Girls and Guest Line on the morning Russell, Joe Shasky and Bonte Hill. Go figure. We share last names. Jamel, uh, the the pressure. We we were talking earlier this week about the pressure on the 49ers side of things. They lose this game. That's three straight NFC title game losses. And then these windows, you know, we've covered this game a long time. These windows close in a heartbeat here. So, when I look at the game and I'm saying, who has the most pressure? I'm not team-wide. They all have pressure, right? you got to win the game and get to the Super Bowl or whatnot, and it would be a disappointment for the 49ers. But just in terms of individuals, I'm looking at Nick Bosa, the defensive line, not getting pressure on Jordan Love. We could talk about Brock Purdy or the head coach, Kyle Shanahan. If I gave you those three those three uh, individuals, Nick Bosa, Brock Purdy, Kyle Shanahan, who would you say has the most pressure out of this Sunday against the Lions? Uh,
2: I think by far it's Kyle Shanahan. I mean, you know, we were – went in the Super Bowl uh, just a few years ago. And, uh, you know, a lot of Niner fans are still upset about how that game went um, because it was very reminiscent of when uh, Kyle Shanahan was in Atlanta and they lost, they blew a 28-3 to lead to the Patriots, um, On you know, kind of on his watch. And so when you look at the fact uh, that last week was the first time, you know, one of his coach teams had, had come back from behind, um, you know, it, it says – There are starting to be some questions. I mean, I'm not trying to, you know, rally some kind of... Um, you know, bandwagon that Kyle Shanahan should be about it there, but like there are definitely some questions about his coaching style, like whether or not this team can handle some adversity if they get down in the game, and whether or not he is the coach to get them over this hump and really have a uh, legitimate shot at getting number six as in the sixth uh, Super Bowl. So I think he has the most pressure out of anybody on the field come Sunday.
5: Who do you trust more, Jared Goff or Brock Purdy, then? Uh, I actually think
2: you know this is what I always say about Brock, Brock Purdy as they have this nonsensical, never-ending conversation about whether or not he's elite. Whether or not he's elite, one, it doesn't matter, and two, um, I think he's a very good quarterback. People seem to forget this is just his second year, um, and you know he's getting more and more experience. It would be it would be foolish to not play it's Jared Goff because Jared Goff has actually been to a Super Bowl. Right. So he understands, you know, I'm looking, like, there's a difference, not necessarily uh, in skill set, there's a difference in, in experience. And this is the kind of experience that matters at this time of the year. Uh, you know, a lot of people ask me how I felt about how, what brought – performance was um, you know, against the Packers and I actually thought it was or I actually thought it was like a huge growth moment and uh you also have to realize that Packers team is coming. You know, yeah. I I, I stepped at this the Lions fans, I was like, listen, they beat you they beat that team that the forty ers beat they beat the Lions. Okay. Yeah. they so, yeah. back. yeah, exactly. It's like that team is on the rise and they are going to be a problem. But to me the growth moment was the fact that Brock Purdy was able to collect and compose himself. And a lot of times athletes learn how to become clutch players through mental muscle memory. And so now he's got a memory he could go back to of bringing the team back in a game when it mattered and winning. And that is the kind of thing that goes a long way in his progress going forward. So I feel good about uh, him this week. I think he's going to have a good game. And there are some, I think, matchups that the 49ers – uh, you know, from the offensive perspective, that they should definitely win
4: against the Lions. Yeah, I think they could exploit the Lions defense with George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, and maybe Debo Samuel. We're talking to Jamel Hill here on the Boxer Gerson Guest Line. Check out her memoir, Uphill. Of course, the staff writer now for the Atlantic. Uh, used to be with ESPN doing big things there, but Jamel Hill's still around here doing her thing. Um, Debo Samuel, can the 49ers win this football game if Debo does not play, Jamel?
2: Yeah, I think they actually can. Um, And that's not to obviously diminish what Debo means to the team. I mean, he's arguably the most electrifying player, um, certainly the most versatile that's in the NFL. It would be a big loss. But I do think between Kittle, Ayuk, and Christian McCaffrey, I mean, he's really... (laughs) <laughs> Key um, because if the 49ers are able to run the ball with success, I think that's going to help set up everything in the passing game. You know what type of team they are, especially when the 49ers get into a groove with running the ball. They're able to control so much of the game. So, to me, as important as Debo is, everything rests on their ability to run the ball. Against this team, because the Lions have a very explosive offense themselves. So if, if we are able to impose our will on them, I think that's a really big key in the game. And while, if you know, we had Debo that would make that task a little easier. I do not think it's impossible for the 49ers to win without him.
5: You know, I, I want to accentuate a point that you made earlier. You said this is the biggest game in the history of the state for for you know just a sporting event. I, I find that wild. Like it, we I mean, we've been so lucky. We had the Warriors run here. The Giants had a, had an unbelievable run. Obviously, the Niners at one point. You guys have had the Red Wings, you, you the Pistons, University of Michigan this year. Yeah. I know you divide the state when it no, comes it, to it, the don't bring up Michigan around. I you know, down. I know, I know. You divide <laughs> the state when, you talk, but like. The Lions are it, right? Because I mean, they've been such a loser for so long, and it's football. Football's king. This is really that big, huh? Yeah, it is. I mean, that's the the part
2: you know people have to remember is like in America, period. <laughs> the NFL and professional football is the national obsession, and it's no different in a place like Michigan. Now, certainly. There have been um, championship teams in, in Detroit, as you mentioned. I mean, it, it was 20 years ago that the Pistons won the NBA title No form and they beat the Lakers. Wow. Um, and you also, you know, like every team there has had their turn with success. I mean, the, the Red Wings, for a while, they had the longest championship drought in hockey. And they went on a run and were a, a huge dynasty uh, at, at one point. So everybody there has had their turn except for the Lions. And so this has been such a monumental turnaround because I think as time passed, they definitely fell into the category of being like, this is probably the team in Detroit that's never going to win one. And so for them to go from that to this, uh, it's just created such a special vibe
4: in Detroit right now. Dan Campbell feels like the perfect coach for that team in that city. I know a lot of people laughed at him initially for that presser. It was wild, biting off kneecaps and everything. Got to do what you got to do, I guess. But he seems like he's embraced Detroit and Detroit has embraced him. He's like seems like just the perfect fit, the perfect hire for that state. <laughs>
2: Yeah, the um, the thing that's interesting is like I don't know what's the chicken or the egg, but a lot of the the championship teams and a lot of the most revered teams in Detroit wind up taking the personality of the city, and uh, you know Dan Campbell obviously uh, like he's a very he comes across as a very down to earth guy, um, which people in Detroit definitely respect because everybody there is very down to work down to earth has those those midwestern midwestern vibes going about mm-hmm. him, and it's a blue collar city, and he very much as a blue-collar kind of coach, was a blue-collar kind of player. So the, his personality fits the city, um, you know, perfectly. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of the fans, they have so much respect for him. And, you know, you have to respect what he's done. I mean, his first season, they were 3-13, and and a lot of people thought that the Lions had just signed up for more of the same. And uh, he had that bad season, and it kind of has never looked back. And now this team is in a real position to win a, a Super Bowl title.
5: All right, Jamel, I want to go off the board for just a second because like I was watching Below Deck. I know. You're probably rolling your eyes right now. And <laughs> with my wife, and you were on there. And you know, there's the Bravo Maniacs, right? Like my wife is one of them, and, and I end up watching a lot of it. I, I'm not gonna lie, I don't Yeah, I go
4: to the other road, Jamal. Uh, uh, well,
5: I, uh, I end up watching. Is that the thing you get stopped for the most? Like, cause I mean, if you get on to Bravo, it becomes a whole nother subculture.
2: Yeah, um, and and by the way, uh, men, y'all always lie talking about something. You know, I I watch, I check in. Like you guys get sucked into those shows. (laughs) Exactly,
4: (laughs) totally agree. I may have, or maybe once or twice.
2: Producer here is
5: obsessed with Below Deck.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, yeah, I would say that's probably in the top three of things that people recognize me for. I mean, I was a huge fan of the show. And I was lucky enough to do it uh, twice because I did uh, regular Below Deck and um, I did Below Deck Man. And it's such (laughs) an amazing experience. And the thing is, you don't know. I get asked all the time, like, do you know what's going on with the crew? And it's like, you honestly have no idea. And there were shocking things that we found out when we watched our episode. Like, we didn't know about any love triangles, any, like, sniping going on behind the scenes like we didn't know about any of that because they do try to make sure you're very removed from that and that you have um you know that you that you have your your special experience because you're paying a lot of money to have a special experience so but it was great uh both captain lee and captain sandy are both wonderful the crew uh, i mean both crews that i had were really really exceptional so we had a blast It, it is a good good time
4: Man, I don't even know how to follow up with that one. I don't even know. <laughs> that. Now I kind of want to watch it. Now you've never seen
0: you. No, seen my my girl has it. Why do you have to do this? No, macho but I no. Thing. See
4: what happens with me, Jamel, man. So I do two. I had two jobs here. I oh, do here television we go. stuff and I do the radio. He's the early only in the one morning. who works. So I got to lock in sometimes. And the <laughs> only show I have to pick like one show a night if I can watch it. And sometimes it's The Sopranos. Sometimes it's The Wire. You know, I'm on Or maybe I'll play that. If You haven't
5: watched Housewives of Atlanta yeah, or you know, The I'm, Potomac I, I, I or. or Orange County, you're, you're, you're straight cap right yeah, now. Come know, on, Jamel. Full Tell episodes. He's full cool
4: episodes, man. I, gotta, I know how suck how sucked in You can get into it, Jamel. That's why I walk out. I was like, all right, that's enough for me. I got to go. <laughs>
2: No, it, it it really is. I mean, it, especially I think most of us, you know, um, if you know, if you're working a lot, working a lot of hours, and even even in covering and discussing sports, it's like a lot of people, you know, you, you need guilty pleasures, you need escape. No and I'm 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 a Bravo maniac too, so I, I get it.
5: <laughs> Thank you. So, okay, now last question: What is your favorite Bravo show? Then
2: <laughs> that is so tough because uh, I mean, it's either Below Deck, Real Housewives of Potomac. Um, it's one of those two. You know, I I think I I might, I might say it's Real Housewives of Potomac. That might be my point.
4: And and is it true that you still own the uh, Jimmy Garoppolo jersey?
2: It is very true. Look, any North Niners quarterback that went to a Super Bowl, I have their jersey. <laughs> so is, I like that. Why, no, I respect that. My husband, when I got it, he was like, "You are foolish for that." There, is, there is. <laughs> Dude, he so, was always ripping on Jimmy Garoppolo. It was like, "You're not gonna be, probably even be there. You're gonna have his jersey." And I was like, "Yeah, it'll be. That'll make it even a better
4: memento." <laughs> well, knowing Kyle Shanahan at quarterbacks and the way this market is treated quarterbacks, it is a wild seed. Jamel, you missed the Jimmy Garoppolo era uh, right here in the Bay Area. It, it, it was. You're that keeps Shasky and I still talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. It's polarizing. Two guys. We we've had Steph Curry out here doing his thing, Clay Thompson doing his thing, and the two most polarizing individuals Ever. when it comes to sports: Draymond Green, Jimmy Garoppolo.
2: Yep. Oh wow, that is. I mean, Draymond, I could, I could understand my, my, my fellow Michigan State alum. Right. I could definitely understand that one. Um, you know, given how I know his style of play, and certainly he's had some incidents. But uh, it, listen, that's what happens when you have, um, you know, you have a team as successful as, as the Forty ers and as Golden State. It's like the expectations get kind of. Um, out of control, and, and certainly if there are players uh, that people feel a way about, I mean, it just I guess adds more fodder for yeah, you guys.
4: No doubt. Jamel, hey, <laughs> always, always always, a pleasure. I, I don't you, you meet a lot of people, and I got to meet you out in New Orleans in 2012 at the NABJ, and to see your success, uh, to continue the success that you have man, at the Atlantic, uh, I see you on CNN from time to time. Jamel, you continue to do great work. Keep doing your thing.
2: All right.
4: Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Anytime. Jamel Hill, staff writer for the Atlantic, uh, Michigan State of Love, Detroit native. Nice little insight there on the 49ers. And she said the pressure thing, because you missed yesterday, we we're talking about pressure. Who has the most pressure on him? Yeah. Pressure and makes diamonds. Pressure San makes Quinn. diamonds. A lot of people say, Kyle Shanahan, including myself, and you just heard Jamel Hill. Shanahan's got the most pressure on him, possibly. And he's not even playing. He's not even suiting up. All he's doing is holding the play sheet with a headset. And
5: we feel like he has the most pressure on him. More than – wait, just, are we just going Niners-Detroit or are we going the Niners whole weekend? Niners-Detroit. Okay. Niners-Detroit. Because I would say that I think Lamar might have more yeah. pressure than no, 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 no. we're than talking 49ers. Yeah,
4: okay. In terms of pressure on anybody, I mean, yeah, Lamar's probably got the most pressure on him. Just, just
5: because he had an MVP right. season, he's at home, like,
4: th- th- there's and a people are thinking the Ravens are maybe one of the greatest teams
5: ever. I mean, let's get there before we can put that on him. Um I just keep tripping. The the, the pressure is a great question, you know? Like, I I think we make more of that, but in the moment, some guys do clam up. Like, the big game gene thing that Kurt Warner and Baldy were alluding to mm-hmm. is real. We all have a friend who was practice squad all-star, but then when the games happen, he never can deliver. And then we have other buddies who or or gals or whatever in our lives who like, for whatever reason, at the biggest moments, that person always comes through. There there are certain people like that. That just yeah. that's sports. Yep. Um, whether they've got the big game gene or something in their DNA to allow them to calm down or play better or whatever it is. Yeah, I, I do believe in that. I'm just more tripping off of biggest game in the history of the state. You know, California is obviously a way bigger state in terms of population than Michigan. And we've got a lot of iconic franchises. you got the Lakers and the Dodgers and obviously the Padres and now the Rams are back. And the Niners and the Warriors and the Kings and the Giants. And like, I don't
4: think Jamel wanted to give the Michigan Wolverines any credit. Because I could make the... I commit that the '97 Rolls Bowl was the biggest game in the state for Michigan to win the national championship. You don't championship. think the Detroit
5: Lions are bigger right. than the Michigan Wolverines? They're, well, I, tell I you don't what. know.
4: I, I, so I, I visited know. Michigan once. Okay, and I was there, and Michigan was playing Michigan State. Okay, and tickets were those bleed tickets were two hundred bucks at the time, and two hundred bucks was a lot of money. Still has a lot of money. Average but,
5: ticket price this weekend was right. $1,000.
4: Well, that's that's this weekend in the yeah. NFL. Yeah. That's, yeah. But Michigan, Michigan State, a huge game. Huge game on a Saturday. Rivalry game, both teams undefeated. They're like 200, 200 bucks for nosebleeds, last row of the stadium. People are like, what? That's ridiculous. I caught two tickets to a Lions game the next day. Row 20 at around a 15-yard line. Both those tickets cost me a grand total of $80. And so talking to Lions fans, I said, is Lions big? It's all about the Wolverines. The Wolverines are a bigger deal than the Detroit Lions. Now, now the Detroit Lions are doing their thing and stuff like that, but the Michigan Wolverines have been a bigger deal for a very long time, and partly due to the Lions losing, but also just there's a lot of Wolverines out there. Michigan State winning national championships in basketball, uh, the Red Wings doing their thing. The could Tigers. You have
5: said that about the Warriors like seven years ago, eight years ago. Like, no way they're going to be bigger than the Niners and the and the Giants for a period of time. We're talking about a college team. I, no, I there's a college,
4: like there's there will never ever. Be a college team bigger than a pro team. The Michigan Wolverines were a lot bigger is USC, than the Lions. Is
5: USC bigger than the Rams? Probably now
4: because the Rams just got there. Yeah. You know, the Lions have been there just looking at a city, you know, and, and looking at a pro team in a city that's around a lot of college teams. Like yeah, Mi- yeah. Michigan Wolverines get over 110,000 people at their stadium yeah. every single Saturday.
5: I, I, B, I'm just asking. I was,
0: I was. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
3: Minimum of four lines for twenty five dollars per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee twenty four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due thirty five dollars per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. mobilecom
5: right. Jarred when she said that, yeah, you know, I was like, a to me that too. was like, damn. Like I was a little bit too. Like when I think of the Detroit Lions, everyone's going to go Eminem. No, I think of Tim the Toolman Taylor. Like that was the biggest Lions fan growing up was Tim the Toolman yeah, Taylor. I just,
4: I just think of Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders. Did you watch that show? Not really. Oh, yeah. he. I was <laughs> a, I was, yeah, I wasn't a big fan. I, I tried to get into it. I just uh, didn't relate to me. Was like, yeah. I thought Tim Allen was a little overrated.
5: Well, <laughs> I <Isn't> mean, <that funny? laughs> He's also not a good human being. Oh, really? He's not? Well, I don't know. You got to look into it. I don't know that. You got to Google it. What was that one time? <laughs> I think it was like three. Yeah, I'm not going to get into that. The Santa Claus is his best role by far. Better than Tim the Toolman Taylor? Well, Buzz Lightyear as well, the voice of Buzz yeah, Lightyear. That's, I mean, that's famous too. Al Maybe big and, in the Toy Story. Al Borland and Tim the Toolman Taylor are iconic. Uh? Yeah. He's always working on the car. That neighbor always creeped me out. Wilson? You never saw, you never saw his face. I don't, I don't know. It was kind of weird. The very end when he came out with the small picket fence. I'm getting real deep. You guys yeah, probably don't remember that. Yeah, John the Taylor that's Thomas. That's is, so.
4: I remember the Fitz stick. I remember episodes. I, I just didn't get into it. Like I didn't really dig, you know. I didn't really dig that show. More of a boy meets world guy. Yeah, a big boy Topanga. meets world guy. Yeah, Corey. Not to Tope- Who's Topanga? That was the love interest. I may have that T-shirt. He knows, by who the way, Topanga is. I, I I think I had to give. No, I kept that T-shirt. I was a bunch of T-shirts away. Well, you know, like the NBA jabs. Mm-hmm. Two bad teams. They have a Corey and a Topanga. I had to buy that show. I had to buy that shirt, I mean. Uh, anyway, let's go to BPA. Yay! BPA. He's been a hole for a while.
5: BPA, do you watch Below Deck?
6: No way, dude. <laughs> yeah, I, know. <laughs> I know. I know. I don't even know what it is. You said it's on Bravo. Oh, no, I do Oh, stop. I'm right? calling Cap yeah, on that. Yeah, no, I, no, we're not. I don't even know
4: what it I is. is. Yeah, I don't watch Bravo either. I walk Just out the room. stop. Like I don't. I, what is, I is wrong with you. you guys? Know, it's God, okay to busy, admit it. I'm
6: too we're, busy. I'm too busy watching game film. Guys. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. There you go. Okay. I'm too
4: busy reading articles and um, game film. Nobody. I'd rather play Madden <laughs> than watch Bravo. <laughs> Bravo? Who the hell watches Bravo? Come on, man. I'm, I'm sorry. Might, I'm um, with you, B, That's That's one thing we agree on.
6: Oh oh God. All, all time, I mean, not why I called, but all time biggest Detroit sports moment has to be when the Pistons won their first title, right? Because that's the that's the first world championship I think ever in the in the city of Detroit. Well, so. the no, the Tigers won, in 83. Yeah. Tigers won in eighty three. Tigers won in eighty three. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. It, maybe that, maybe but that. All those were it, huge. You know, yeah. like, um, you know, I think you know, Kyle's you know, it's he has a hard time adjusting to the fa- to the facts on the ground sometimes. Sometimes he's a lead at it, but you know, I mean he's he's managing the team like he still has Robbie Gold as his kicker and he still has D'Amico Ryan as his defense coordinator, right? So um and he doesn't. And you know, like what I saw defense. I think he'll figure out offensively, I think they'll figure out a way to, to be productive and put points on the board. Man, pretty uh pretty bad as far from a defensive preparator. They were not prepared to play at all on defense. And, I mean, there's so much money being paid on that side of the ball. I mean, obviously, they, they're paying money on both sides, but man, they, I mean, that defensive line, and, and really nobody played well defensively. Yeah. I mean, their linebackers certainly... They, I mean, so, Fred. I watched quick. Fred Warner, and Fred Warner was bad. De'Alema was good. So.
4: Hey, BPA, real quick, before we hit the break. 20 seconds less. Does Steve Wilkes impact the defensive line? What's going on with the defensive line? I, I think it's just a want. Yeah, you know, I think
6: uh, sure. Yeah, I mean, I've been saying, you know, Kachurik has been bad this year. Mm. Bad. I mean, not just not just performance, but like just bizarre, erratic rotations. You know, like you know, putting you know, continuing to shove Kinlaw out there, who's just. I mean, he might be one of the worst defensive tackles <laughs> I've ever seen, right?
4: <laughs> All right, BPA. Ever seen? Uh, come on. I've seen a lot worse.
6: I'm optimistic, Bob I, Honestly, who?
4: <laughs> Worst defense tackle than Javon Killoff? Yeah,
5: can you, I would love to. Solomon go. Thomas. Yeah. Lie one. Yeah, Kenton Balber yeah. lied two. Yeah. Reggie McGrew
4: lied three. Reggie McGrew what, You want to keep going? Junior Bryant? Like, come on, man. No, Junior Bryant was good. He was solid. <laughs> he was solid. <laughs> I went too far? He was solid. Uh, he was solid. We throw things out there. He's the worst way i ever seen in my life. No, there's worse. Trust me. We can find him. All you got to do is dig a little deep, which I know a lot of people in this society don't want to do. They don't want to do the work.
5: Clee was not the best with the Raiders. We'll say
4: that too. Yeah. It's me. Come on. Roll your sleeves up. Kill all. Ain't the worst defense tackle we've ever
0: had.
5: So Bonte and Brian and Palo Alto, very alike. They're watching film and not any of that other
0: No, Don't Robert. give me false equivalencies.
5: You can call Anna right now
4: Call Anna to Ask Anna what I do when I walk out the room Or when she puts on Bravo I don't watch I may sit there for five minutes And I'm out I'm also out on uh... All right, Let me just keep it moving <laughs> It's a Warriors game day brought to you by Xfinity. Xfinity G Network. Made for streaming live sports. No wonder you get so worried about these games. You're watching too much Bravo. Uh, what's coming up on the game? Brought to you by the end at the tides. Eric Kramer, former quarterback on the Detroit Lions. He's going to join us coming up, talking about the city of Detroit in his book. Man, it is some powerful stuff. You don't want to miss that. Eric Kramer coming up in the end at the tides. They are back, baby. Legendary. All you can eat, dungeon is crab feeds at Tides Wharf restaurant, just ninety-nine dollars per person. Just 100 dollars February 2nd and 23rd, March 8th to 15th, make it a getaway and ask for the crab feed special room rate. Info at hey, Nation, it's com. Hey Nation, Chris Paul.
0: You're listening to The Morning Roast with Bonta
5: Hill and Joe Shasky on 95.7 The Game.
0: CP3,
4: he was back on the sideline yesterday after the Warriors got a win. They've been off since Martin Luther King Jr. Day. They look fresh. It looks fried. A very emotional day at Chase Center. Shout out Decky. Shout out his family. Of course, Decky, we lost him 46 years old due to a heart attack. Um, not easy. But the Warriors went out there and handled their business. Beat the Atlanta Hawks. By 22 points, their largest home win of the season. Jonathan Kamiga, 11 for 11 Tied Chris Muller for the most made field goals without a miss in the shot clock era. 1954 54 55 Chris Mullen 11-4-11. Jonathan Kamiga, 11-4-11. Really good game for J.K. 25 points, nine rebounds. And the Warriors will be back on the floor today against the Sacramento Kings. We'll chime in on that in a little bit. But we are getting ready for the NFC title game. Uh... Let's squeeze in Johnny Boulder real quick before Eric Kramer. Johnny Boulder, what's happening? You're on a roast.
7: Hey guys, how's it going? Good. Um, go so I just wanted to uh, give you guys a little context. I'm a Michigan guy, grew up, and then moved to the Bay and became a Niners fan. Uh, but growing up, I was a Lions season ticket holder through the O sixteen years. And this game is probably the most important game in the last twenty five years. Um, I remember growing up. Going to games, we get guys with bags on their heads, uh, guys with Fire melon signs when Matt Mellon was the GM, being chased by security throughout the stands, Um, just a lot of anger. And with Michigan and Michigan State, the Lions are the one team that unites the state, and I've never seen more excitement behind uh, a team in a game. So it's really important, Um, and yeah. Uh, So I could see guys, like union guys from the auto industry driving cross-country, selling their second car. um, It's that important. Wow.
4: I just want to give you guys a little more context. Uh, Um, John, you know what? According to Vivid Seats, 20% of the fan base Sunday is going to be live fans, which disgusts me. I'm disappointed if that's the case. It's going to be 20% Honolulu Blue inside the stadium? Levi's? What? Forty nine er fans selling their NFC title game tickets like we go to the NFC title game every single season. I, I can't believe. it. I don't care how much money. I don't care, man. If I can't pay rent, yeah, I'm times, going to this game. Times are hard. Times are it, hard. I'm going, yeah. I, I'm going to this game. Yeah, I'm going to this game. I'll make it work.
5: Rent. I'm making it work.
4: I'm making it work. I can't Come have Lion fans coming to Levi Stadium. Are you kidding me? You
5: have to be realistic.
4: I am being realistic for myself. Everybody's yeah. different. I'm different. All right, Eric Kramer, former Detroit Lions quarterback, Chicago Bears. It's my childhood right here in the 90s. I remember watching Eric Kramer growing up. He, hell, he was a quarterback in 91 when the Lions had that magical run to the NFC title game. Eric, good morning, man. Welcome to the Morning Rose. Sponte Hill, Joe Shasky the Butcher. How are you doing this morning?
8: I'm doing great, man. Just enjoying the little conversation you guys just had with that Lions fan, who, by the way, is representative of about a million fans in in, in, in and around the city of Detroit.
4: Wow. Wow. Now, you, we're going to get to your book because you, you, I, we talked to Bernie Colzar earlier this season, and I remember you playing as a quarterback, but I didn't know your backstory here. You have the book, The Ultimate Comeback. Eric Kramer's powerful memoir offers hope and healing amidst mental health struggles. So we'll get to that in just a second because we understand how violent this game is and how depressed some former players get after football. But let's start with the Lions here. Uh, what do you remember about that 91 season? How, what do you remember about the city getting behind you guys during that 91 year in which you guys lost to Washington in the NFC? Title game.
8: it was a magical run and we came out of nowhere we had gone six and ten i think the year before and but it was very like this year a very talented team uh young and um uh so yeah i mean the the season kind of about two-thirds of the way through took a turn when mike Otley went down and uh he was a right guard and um on a play against the Rams and was uh, didn't know at the time, but was uh, paralyzed from the waist down. And, um, and so anyway, that, that was, um, a rallying cry is not the way to describe it, but it, uh, I'd say sort of galvanized us in Mike's honor to continue on playing with him in mind. And, um, so, you know, we, we, um, went on a late season run as well. I think we ripped off about five or six in a row. And um we were we were kind of like this year's Lions. Uh, we were good in all three phases. And um so anyway, that that's what I remember from that year. And uh, obviously we ran into a buzzsaw at the end. Right. To start the year against Washington where we lost forty five to nothing oh, and then where we lost forty something to ten, uh where we're I we we're down seventeen, ten at halftime, but clearly we were overmatched. And um uh, so anyway, that was in my opinion, though, as far as
6: Washington goes, had to be one of the best teams in NFL history. Yeah. That's what they say. The Hogs up front, Shasky.
5: Yeah, Gary Clark, Art Monk. I mean they yeah. were they were special. Walk me through the psyche of a Detroit Lions fan. We've heard from you, we've heard from Jamel Hill, we've heard from all these different people. It's like the biggest game in the history of the state. Uh, (laughs) What's it like being a Detroit Lions fan? Because it sounds like you're still revered to this day because of that NFC Championship game appearance.
8: Well, in that that sort of, I'm grateful in one sense, but it's sad in another, in that it's taken 30-plus years to get back to an NFC championship game and uh, to win, you know, for the first time in Lions history, 14 games in a season. And just, uh, I don't know. I, I think that this team, to me, for the Lions, is special in the sense that um, they're not just talented. They've got a sense of direction, clear direction, from the top on down. And it seems like, you know, this team feels the way that other past Lion teams didn't, which means um, from the ownership down to the general manager, down to the head coach, down to the players, they're all in the same boat, rolling the same oars. And uh, that makes for a, for it makes to me, and they're all young. And that makes, for me, to be like a, te- a team that's going to be around a while.
4: Yep. Eric Kramer here on The Morning Rose, courtesy of the Boxing Girls and Guest Line, former quarterback with the Lions, Bears, the Chargers, started off his career with the Atlanta, but had a magical 91 season with the Detroit Lions as they advance to the NFC title game. All right, what's your perspective on the 49ers? You were playing during the 90s, during the heyday when the Niners were winning championships, and it seemed like yeah. they were appearing at NFC title games every single season. This year's forty right. nine ers team and Brock Purdy. You played that position. What's your thoughts on Brock Purdy?
8: I think great. I mean, he, he's you know faltered at times this year, um, particularly at times when nobody thought he would, and, and like last game for example. Right. Um, but uh, I think by and large, uh, he is, I think currently, the best person story in the NFL um in that you know he wasn't even the guy the 49ers wanted until the last pick in the draft yeah. and and uh yet uh given a chance and given somebody's work ethic um look what he's done and uh, so it's it's you know he amongst other players on that team um have all added up to make the, what the 49ers are today, given that they've got, again, kind of what the Lions had, but before the Lions, is they've got you know upper management, um, coaching staff, players all look like they're rowing their oars in the same direction.
5: What is it about Dan Campbell and Jared Goff that has really endeared you to them? Like, What is it about their story, uh, getting to this point, that really makes you a believer in both guys?
8: well i don't know either one of them personally, but um from the outside, what it looks like is that uh, Dan has a clear sense of direction, and he's not only play the game but he can uh, he players respect him because of where he's been and what he, uh, how he believes in them. Like there's one clear message in that building and it's from, uh, Sheila Hamp or Sheila Ford Hamp on down to Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and everybody. And I think that that to me is what, you know, it, Dan Campbell doesn't just believe in, um, uh, in Jared Goff, Although that is huge. Um, you know he he 's an emotional guy that isn't afraid to show it and really believes in what not only he's doing but what everyone around him is doing that he's helped guide and and motivate so I think the combination of Jared Golf and he together are magical, and I love the fact that Jared Golf since he 's been there remember when he went there they were what three and thirteen
0: yeah
4: they're all and
8: he was a cast off. He was kind of a throwaway in that deal to get to a, for the Rams to acquire um, Matthew Stafford. And so Matthew Stafford didn't have to rebuild a career. Um, he just got to play around really good players under a really good coach. Mm. And, and so, uh, uh, Jared Goff, even though they were both number one picks had to actually resurrect his career. Right. And, And so, which he's done in a fairly short amount of time. And I love the fact that during this year, when everybody was patting him on the back after 10 or 11, 12 great games, he starts to falter himself. He doesn't panic. Dan Campbell doesn't panic. Players around him don't panic. And he stays resilient to what he's always done. All of a sudden, guess who's the best quarterback in the NFL? or, Or literally at the top. If you're talking about fourth quarters, it's not even close. Mm. And 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 that's what I love to see in other players, not necessarily specific to quarterbacks, but resiliency in people um, is well, what it's all about.
4: Well, I want to talk about your resiliency resiliency here. Eric, Eric Kramer here on the Boxing Girls and Guest Line. We'll get you out with this. Your book, The Ultimate Comeback, Surviving a Suicide Attempt, Conquering Depression and Living with a Purpose. Now, this is a deep story here and we don't, you know, we don't mess around with suicide. We've heard Bernie Kozar's story. We've had him on, about all the surgeries, concussions, some of the relapses he had. Eric, what was it about? Was it retirement? Was it not playing the game? What led to some of these events here and which led you to write the book about it?
8: Well, when you're talking about suicide, that was an a suicide attempt anyway, that was what happened to me when I was overwhelmed, literally overwhelmed, by a series of uh tragic family events. Hmm. Um, starting my son Griffin um had actually been in uh rehab beginning or drug rehab in tenth grade, uh in high school. Wow. And and so uh You know, he was, um, you know, he kind of ran the gamut where why am I here to thanks that you got me here to, oh, that was brainwashing. And then uh, by the time he got out of um, outpatient program, he went to high school at Thousand Oaks High School, which he then went right back to struggling in school again and um and so eventually he um relapsed and um it was a heroin overdose and uh so he he eventually one morning didn't didn't wake up oh, and God. uh sorry
4: to hear that oh
8: gosh and yeah and then uh, my mom had prior to that um the year before or actually earlier uh, that year Um, so Griffin passed away October 30th, 2011 earlier that year. Um, the day after mother's day, my mom found out she had stage four uterine cancer. Um, and that in itself was an ordeal. Um, and she survived a ridiculous operation, uh, where she then afterward had to go through, you know, a lot of chemotherapy, and um, uh, you know, and it, it was during that time actually when she and I got close, and um, and then you know, she, eventually she went into remission, and eventually she, you know, her cancer came back. And so she passed away in July of the following year. Mm. And then right around that time, my dad, who I was never really close with, um, but uh, eventually around that time, my mom passed away. Uh, He uh, had some untreated acid reflux. So those of you out there that do get it, treat it, because his went untreated. Which then turned into esophageal cancer, which was like a three-year decline, Jeez. like steady decline, and uh, and then Dylan, my younger son, uh, he wasn't living with me at the time either, and so um, yeah, it just uh, it was a it, you know I hate to say it was events that conspired against me, right. but it was, and and what I and it wasn't like i wasn't seen seeing a therapist right. at various stages but eventually i stopped and um and it didn't take long after that before i i literally remember driving down the road one day and it was like this little feeling that i had before uh when depression comes there's there's like it's there's like a knock at the door, but the door comes swinging open. Like there's, it's, <laughs> it's like a fog or a flood that comes in that you cannot, you know, resist. Um, so anyway, that just basically at that time led me on a downward spiral that I couldn't get out of. And, you know, it's like when you play a sport or when you commit yourself to something, um, there's always the process of working through it. Right. So you're always sort of building up some resilience as you go, Um, which is kind of how that all happened is, uh, you know, it wasn't like I never sought out treatment uh, therapy I had in different times in in my life. Um, But anyway, so that that's what happened. And then eventually uh, I lost all perspective and lost my wits, really. And uh, conspired to, you know, research out the best way to do this, uh, which was what I did, Uh, shoot myself underneath my chin. And uh, fortunately, we're still here and I'm talking about this Yeah. um, because I do not feel the same way I once did. That was, what, eight-ish years, nine years ago almost. And um, so times have certainly changed. Um, and, uh, as it says, I'm living with a purpose and I would, I would say multiple purposes, but, um, uh, it, it's, uh, it's been an ordeal, but I really have to thank not only the doctors, um, who saved my life, but the, uh, you know, the many people who were there, um, throughout that time wow. and still are.
4: Wow. Eric, man, well, we're proud of you for fighting through that. That's not easy. It doesn't sound easy. Sounds heavy. Um, The ultimate comeback, surviving a suicide attempt, conquering depression, and living with a purpose. We're glad that you're living with multiple purposes, and we're glad that you're able to talk to us about this football game on Sunday. Uh, Eric, take care. Keep, Keep Take care of your mentals, man. We'll be praying for you. It sounds like a fight that you'll continue to fight every single day of your life, but we're glad that you're still alive, breathing, man.
8: Very good. Grateful to be on your show. You guys have fun. And enjoy your day. Absolutely. Eric Kramer, former Lions
4: quarterback, Bears quarterback here on the morning roast. And yeah, it got a little heavy there. It got a little heavy. <laughs> the ultimate comeback, surviving a suicide attempt, conquering depression, and living with a purpose. I was talking to somebody, and I don't know if they want me to announce this on the air, so I won't do it. Um, it was a conversation I was having before the show yesterday on the phone. I believe it 5 5.30 the morning. People are up. And this particular person, you never know what somebody's going through. He lost, uh, I think he lost two brothers, a dad and a mom, in the same calendar year. Jeez. And the best way to get over it for him was, I got to just continue to work. I got to continue to work. So, you know, take care of your mentals, man. Take care of your mentals. You know, it's, uh, it's a lot. Wow, I got, I got heavy. I got heavy. I don't even know how to segue after that. Uh, Eric Kurt, Kramer, Boxer at Guest Line, uh, talk about the lines, of course, and what that team means to the city. Let's take some calls. Uh, let's go to Tim at Danville. Tim, what's happening? You're on a roast.
7: Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, so, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't want to be negative here. And I'm a, I'm a Niner fan. I dropped forty grand on two club seats uh, when they first opened up. And then I ended up selling them because I got discouraged when Harbaugh left. But I don't feel good about this Sunday's game. And I'm going to go there. I'm going to be at the game. But I'm feeling that the fans, even though they won last week, it was luck. It was pure luck. And before the Packer game, I was telling you know my wife and friends that I, I don't feel good about this one. And so they, they you know they really laid an egg. And when I look at Detroit, I look at the hungriness of what they're after. And then I start seeing oh you know Debo, he's you know he, he's sore. He doesn't know if he's going to play. I mean. I'm not just, I'm not seeing the momentum here. on I mean, either side, that's number one. Number two, uh, I'm also feeling that, you know, like for Brock, I, I like the guy like, I love him, I want him to do well. But when he plays great, he plays great. When he plays bad, he plays really bad. It's <laughs> kind of the same thing with Jimmy G, right? <laughs> Jimmy G was good Jimmy, and then he's bad Jimmy would come out. So, I don't know, I'm confused. I think a lot of fans are confused, you know, if they can blow out the Lions, I
4: think, oh gosh, we're going to be jumping up and down, right? Because then we believe we can win the Super Bowl. Why are you guys but so Right scared? now? He, right I don't know. Tim, don't know. Tim, you're freaking out. He's the Niners scared scared are winning us. My all guy same put 40 k <laughs> on each seat. Right. I want to know
5: what kind of work you do. Can I borrow some money? Well, he sold the tickets, he sold them. What kind of work do you do?
4: I don't know. you got some deep pockets. Investment pocket. banker? Uh, hey. You scare to... me, Bonte. Why are you guys so scary? What are, what are you guys. You guys spooked about the Detroit like, Man, like we haven't been in football games like this. Like we haven't been in NFC title Is, games before. Like we haven't been in fo- physical football games. Like we don't have Kyle Shanahan and Brock Purdy, the second cup of Bill Walsh, and Joe Montana. Now all of a sudden,
5: you guys are shook? Can I ask you this? Why are you guys shook? Forget the 2019 one. Just the last three. Rams down in L.A., Eagles in Philly, Niners at home against Detroit. Which was the hardest game heading into it? The Eagles. The Eagles because you're going
4: to Philadelphia, the Rams, or whatever. We should have won it. We should have beat the Rams. We're up 17-7. Should have won that damn game. All right? Should have beat the Eagles last year, and we exposed their asses this year and took their soul. And now they're at home looking for D coordinators and offensive coordinators. The Lions are coming here to Levi Stadium. The red paint's in the end zone, damn it. I don't care about stats, numbers. Matchups, quarterbacks, coaching. My team is better than the Lions. I'm tired of all this scary-ass talk about the NFC title game. All oh, Detroit. Everybody's rooting for Detroit. Dan Campbell and all that stuff. Man, the hell with them. I got Brock. I got Devo, I got Iuke. I got Kittle. I got McCaffrey. This is what Lynch and Shanahan built for this team, for this moment right here, on Sunday, Championship Sunday at Levi Stadium. And I got people calling me left and right scared of the Detroit Lions, the Kentons The hell with them. The hell with the Lions. I'm sick of this. The Niners are winning the game, game on Sunday. They ain't coming here punking us. Like we some damn punks out here in the Bay Area. Oh, my God. The nation's rooting for the Lions. Oh, my God. They play physical. Oh, my God. They're running backs. All oh, this talk. Yada, 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 yada. He didn't even bring them up. He brought up our quarterback. I don't care. Brock Purdy's going to be fine. All right? He led. The, did he not win the, the game Win the drive? Did he not lead that? Yeah. 12 plays, 69 yards? Oh, yeah. Did he throw a bat? Was there a bad throw yeah. on that drive? No. Ice water in his veins. I got McCaffrey, the best player in football. Named offensive player of the year yesterday. I'm supposed to be scared about the damn Lions. Are oh, you guys spooked? Well, don't go to the game. Sell your tickets in on Sunday if you're spooked. There is... Let me watch the game. I'm sick of this scary-ass talk. No, no, I... My team has been in three straight NFC title games. Look, we are the done dung in the NFC. The hell with this. Scary-ass talk, man. I'm so sick of you guys in this. Oh, my God, the Lions do this. And What do we do? We average 30 a game.
7: What do we do?
4: We averaged 30 in a game. We got the best run game in football. We got the best pass game in football. Explosive. Explosive. All day long. We played a D game on Saturday and still won. Scared of the damn Lions. Screw them. Turn this thing up. All these scary ass Niner fans, I don't want to hear from you no more. No more. All this nervous energy and everything like that. I'm going there to win. All right? We're going there to win on Sunday. No, we're going, going to be to, in Las I'm Vegas. Going to I, Monday, I'm going to,
5: go to, the game Monday, to lose. What Monday, Monday, Monday we'll be talking we're about a damn victory. Of course we're going to the game to win. Gosh. I'm just happy to be here. Congratulations, Detroit. We're here to just celebrate. I, I'm spending my money and my time because so I scary. want
4: to lose. Oh, my God. You guys are now scared of Jared Goff? Two weeks ago you said Jared Goff wasn't anything. All of a sudden we scared of Jared Goff. All of a sudden we scared well, of Jared Goff. And all year feedback. long y'all been disrespecting Jared Goff. And now y'all scared of Jared Goff? Please. Things change quickly. Please, that boy will be seeing ghosts on Sunday. I promise you that in front of his family of friends. Damn, what scary ass talk. Let's go to uh, Nick and Berkeley. Turn us up, Nick. <laughs> the hell
0: with all these punks. Hey, Bonte, I'm right with you, man. Look, man, if you ain't if you ain't talking about the 90s wing, then turn in your little man card and get your pass revoked. And, and then you you be your banned from Levi's. Because these guys, we westbound and down out here, man. You better get with, you better get with the program. All this all this scary ass cats out here, man. The bay don't roll like that, Detroit. We're coming for you. Come to our cat ta- here, kitty 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 kitty. Here, kitty 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 kitty. kitty. Go <laughs> get some of this, baby. And we're about to we're about to lay you out, God. You only beat us one time. You got that ring on some fluke. I mean, I I, I don't even want to go there. But let me tell you what. Let me tell you what's happening. God, seven touchdowns on, on grass. I mean, seven touchdowns on grass. Twenty-one on turf. He's got 1,200 yards on grass passing and, and, and 3,000 yards on turf. He's a turf player. He's been a turf player. He's going to get smashed, okay? He's not mobile. He tries to throw across the field, running to his right. He's going to throw a pick six and at least one more after that. He might throw three picks. We're going to get a bunch of sacks. We're going to lay these cats out, man. We don't care who you are. The train is rolling down the track. I said at the beginning of the season, the train is on the track, and we're rolling straight to Vegas, (laughs) baby. We're taking (laughs) no prisoners. All these scary cats out there, turn in your tickets, man, because last week was lit. Cats from San Luis Obispo. Baker Steel was coming up sitting (laughs) next to me. We were hyped. These cats were jumping around. They fell down two rows. We were so hyped. I'm telling you, Levi's was lit. Nobody was, was even buying anything to eat. The whole crowd was watching. There wasn't even no kids around. <laughs> I was cursing. My daughter didn't even get mad. I mean, dude, it's all attacking. I'm so I I mean, I would be sleep until Sunday.
4: You might not. You might but- not. You might not, Nick. You might not as you're listening to 9570KKGMGFMADC1 San Francisco. Don't forget, you can also watch us every single day on our YouTube and Twitch streams. That's all I got to search 9570K. Be sure to like and subscribe to the channel while you are there. Brought to you by First Cal Credit Union. The smart choice for low auto low rates. and a super simple online application process. Also, shout out to the Comcast Business Tech. So we got to take them to school in about five minutes. Look, the interior of their offensive line is the weakness. Heat them up. Jonah Jackson's not playing. All right, just had surgery to clean up a slight meniscus tear. Ragnall's tough. He's banged up. Get pressure. This is where I pay Javon Hargrave and Eric Garfield to heat these suckers up. Left and right all day long. This is our house, man. They're coming to Levi's. They're coming to the Bay. We got a home game. This is all we wanted, right? Right, Niner fans? It's all we wanted. Of Number course. one seed. bye
5: week Home field advantage. Now we scared about the Lions coming here, here, taking something that's ours? No, I just think the Niners. a lot of Niners fans got racked across the chin uh, with a right hook. And, you know, it, until the game starts, and with the Debo situation being kind of up in the air, I can understand being a little, you know... Skeptical, and plus we've lost this game how many times in a row? Two years in a row. Yeah, I mean, so. Until you win one, it's it's hard to not have a little bit of, you know, scariness in oh your my veins. Gosh, I, yeah, I, my heart don't pump Kool Aid. Well, look, <laughs> let me let <say>, <laughs> make, me that make my argument. All year I've spent defending Brock Purdy as infinitely better than the Jimmy Garoppolo, as if it it it, it was independent of. Ripping Jimmy It was more like Brock's Jimmy was good Brock's been that much better All year I've said that And then Obviously the game Happened last week And he looked like Jimmy Garoppolo For the majority Of that game And it felt like, oh, great, here we go again. But now, to his credit, he completely backed it up in the fourth quarter, which in the playoffs you didn't really see Jimmy do that. You just didn't see him have that fourth quarter playoff game. Now, he's done it at times in the regular season with the season on the line in Week 17 and Week 18 in multiple seasons. But in the playoffs, you'd never seen him really do that. So that makes me feel a lot better. But the other side is like, all right, now it's been two. Playoff games in a row for Purdy, the Dallas game last year. That's and the a great game defense.
4: What a defense last year with Dallas no was very
5: very good. No doubt. And what happened in the fourth quarter? But they got. I'm just. I'm just saying. Like I saw. I saw some some cracks <laughs> in the facade, and it's just. I, I worry. I need them to play lights out. <laughs> I need the them playoffs. to play lights out.
4: These are the best of the best. I don't think
5: they're winning a game without the, Brock playing lights this out.
4: This is the best of the best. You're going to struggle. It. Go
5: look at Peyton Manning's first Super Bowl run. Did he play lights out? No, but I think for this team. Given where they're at and against this offense, I do think they're going to need s- to play lights out. Purdy's goal. They, this, these
4: are the NFL playoffs, all right?
5: <laughs> Come on. Like, if Lamar's going to beat Patrick Mahomes, he's going to have to play lights out, correct? Maybe. That defense is really good. They may shut down Kansas City's offense. They may have.
4: They may be able to win a twenty four seventeen game against Kansas City. I don't know.
5: I don't. think but I'm Kansas looking at City's Brock Birdie, but without I'm, without Mahomes playing lights yeah, well, out. Well, he
4: has to play lights out for that team. I don't think Lamar has to play necessarily lights out for the Ravens to win. He has to play well. Look, Obviously, you can't play bad. See,
5: I'm just looking you know? at our team and, and how precise the offense is. And to be able to run on this team, I think it's going to be a little difficult. So you're going to need Purdy's arm. And that's the area of weakness for Detroit is their secondary. And so if for them to exploit it, the timing, the rhythm, the intermediate passing, it's all got to be connected.
3: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.